Hello and welcome to another episode of Critical Line Item. My name is Tom Rathlett. Thank you for joining me for this particular podcast. And one of the interesting stories of the past decade has been the uh, moral disengagement within the Australian military and how several journalists, including my guest today, have been looking at why people have behaved the way they have. Uh, Crossing the Line is a new book written by Nick McKenzie, who has worked with Chris Masters, another uh, investigative journalist, uh, on the story of Ben Robert Smith and a range of behaviours that have been, were observed in Afghanistan. It doesn't take you very long to look on Google to find out what it is that uh, has occurred. But I won't, uh, I won't delay this uh, much longer. Uh, Nick, you're joining us today to have a chat about the new book, Crossing the Line, and also some of the challenges that uh, unfolded when he was reporting uh, the story in Trinity Court case. Nick, thanks for joining me. Great to be here. Uh, no, thanks, for, uh, thanks for making the time. Now, only uh, listeners will be aware of the Ben Robert Smith story, aware of the court case. Um, but one of the things that people aren't always aware of is the background to how these things came about in terms of becoming known, becoming public. What are you able to tell the audience about how you first became aware of some of the issues related to BRS? Well, Chris Masters and I began working together in 2017 uh, to look at or test these allegations that Ben Robert Smith was engaged in, in war crimes. And there was a couple of critical allegations that were actually emanating from the Special Forces community, the SASR itself, which is really critical. This wasn't a story about a couple of muckraking journalists. It was really about you know, some journalists who had heard that there were soldiers who'd served with Robert Smith who were concerned about his conduct and concerned that the military hadn't taken concerns these concerns seriously. So what we just began, you know, uh, good old sort of boots on the ground, shoe leather reporting, trying to speak to as many soldiers and insiders, people who might have witnessed alleged war crimes as possible. And, and in the end, we ended, ended up finding a you know, critical eyewitness testimony. We triangulated this testimony across multiple continents and, and we became confident that it was actually true that Ben Robert Smith had uh, murdered civilians, executed, summarily executed Afghan detainees. Now, um, in journalism generally, uh, when you first hear something, you, your mind starts to process it. How did you feel when you first heard the possibility that a Victoria Cross winner um, was responsible for some egregious, really egregious offences. Well, we we you know, didn't believe it initially, and we as much set out to disprove it as we did to prove it. Because I mean, ultimately, it didn't sound correct that the the most famous soldier in the country and a, and a national icon would have you know, the central allegation is that he kicked a detainee called Ali Jan, a civilian, an Afghan civilian farmer, father, that he kicked this detainee off a cliff, off, off a small cliff and participated in his execution at the bottom. We didn't believe that. Uh, and so 
uh, we we set about well if we can disprove it we'll disprove it we know it's, a, it's an allegation it's a, it's a whisper it's a rumor but is it is it true uh, but ultimately what we found was compelling evidence which ultimately has also been accepted by the federal court of Australia uh, that it, it was true and, and hence we published that allegation um, but we we went into this with a absolutely open mind a really really conscious of confirmation bias how do you and now that that issue of confirmation bias sort of um, comes up in other parts of my professional life as well, whether it be audit, whether it be looking at investigation, um, uh, whatever have you. Uh, how do you, to give people an insight, how do you sort of uh, insulate yourself or inoculate yourself from allowing bias to take hold? Well, I think well, you, you do that because you know the danger of confirmation bias. That is that mm -hmm. you'll end up reporting something that's not true and you'll be sued uh, and you'll hurt someone's reputation unfairly. So, you know, you, you just guard against it. And then I think having Chris Masters as, as a colleague and, and, and we, he was testing me and I was testing him, we were checking ourselves. And, of course, there's the legal process. So now before we published anything about Robert Smith, we had our lawyers checking over everything very, very carefully. Um, um, it's... Uh, yeah, it, it, you know, it's a really, really exhaustive system of making sure that what we were to report about Robert Smith, what we did report about him, uh, was not only true, but could be sustained in a, in a defamation case if one was to arise. And, and that's been the case. It was what we reported has not only been vindicated and found to be true, but um, far more murder allegations have been proven in court than we ever reported. If we look at um, the court case itself. Now, the book, of course, is called Crossing the Lines, so the uh, folks ought to go and look at it and buy it and read it. But if we look at the court case, um, you, publishing is one thing, but going through a court case is another. Uh, what are the things that go, go through the mind of a, a person like yourself when you're going through that ordeal? Well, as in when when you're part of a court case, a defamation case, you mean? Absolutely. Well, it's it's a it's a tough process, but ultimately it was it was it was tough for me and Chris, but much tougher for the soldiers of the SAS who had to come and uh, were subpoenaed to testify against Robert Smith. Uh, that was really difficult. Men broke down on the stand. He uh, he obviously was was backed by a billionaire and Kerry Stokes. He had a PR campaign. He had journalists on side. And yeah. uh, it was really, really quite, um, quite disgraceful what was what was going on um, uh, to, to pressure our witnesses and to undermine it. The court found that one of our witnesses had been threatened with anonymous letters. Another witness, a potential witness, had been raided by the police based on a false complaint issued by Robert Smith. So the stress that they were facing, the pressure they were facing was, was simply huge. We obviously have heard a lot about the Brereton Report and the work surrounding the Brereton Report. Um, one of the things I wanted to raise with you as an observer of the defence establishment for some time is um, some of the policy implications of, of what you've touched on because people will be able to read the book and, and get the underlying story, how you put it together and what happened in court. But there's something that 
uh, there's another parable of this, and that is what governments need to do to to deal with the issue of how they, uh, shall we say, you know, instill a kind of a morality in people in, in conflict. You know, how how do you deal with that? Are there any ideas that you float through your mind uh, as you've gone through the story about what governments need to do when they actually get their defence? When they when they deal with their you know, the the soldiers they send out to conflict, well, I think obviously installing ensuring that soldiers understand the rules of armed conflict and and have a strong moral compass is critical. But also, you know, that the the command structure and our political leadership sent the SASR to Afghanistan a year in year out deployment after deployment after deployment. One of our witnesses deployed eleven times in that environment. Uh, you were creating a, a ripe environment, I think the government was, by overusing the SAS for those very small number of soldiers who were prepared to cross the line and not enough was guarded, done to guard against that. And I think, you know, the chain of command and the, and the political leadership must be held accountable. I don't think they really have been, but um, it's a really, it's, it, it is a, a serious, serious failure, um, a failure of political leadership. Uh, and you know, Andrew Hastie spoken very eloquently and powerfully about that. Um, you know, not just not just about individual soldiers who crossed the line. It's about a system, a culture that was permitted to to grow, uh, and you know, who's responsible for that? Who that system? Well, ultimately, it's it's the politicians. Now, what are the lessons from all of this? Not just for for government, um, Nick, but also for the broader community. What do we learn from? this particular case study that you've been immersed in? Well, what do we learn? I mean, it's it's been a, it's been a, the case itself, our reporting, we've exposed, it's, it's extremely significant. You know, it's, it's Australia's most famous soldier now turns out to be a war criminal. Uh, and it raises not just so many issues about his own conduct, but but why he could get away with what he got away with for so long. Uh, and it, you know, so some significant issues around military culture and, and why small pockets of the SES turned so bad, and why they they weren't brought to to account for so long. And I mean, ultimately, the, the story of Robert Smith is is about a system that failed to to bring that small number of people to 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 heal, and and ultimately, who who paid the price? Well, Afghans were murdered, uh, civilians were murdered, and the impact on the reputation of the armed forces is uh, uh, extraordinary um, and appalling. But that said, you know, it's the vast majority of, of the, the good news about this scandal is that it was men in the SS who stood up, the vast majority of people within the special forces community, within our armed services, so with absolute distinction and honour. And it was brave people from within their ranks who stood up to Robert Smith, who exposed these war crimes. Uh, that, that must be remembered. It must be celebrated. Yeah, I think the other... One of the things that the media cohort journalism uh, needs to needs to remember out of a case study like this. Well, some journalists um, became PR agents for Robert Smith, and they should be held to account. Frankly, uh, it's appalling um, the conduct of some journalists. Uh, and I, but it also says you know, that the role of of journalism in, in uh, holding uh, holding power to account. You know, holding truth to power. Now, some journalists were were holding power to truth. They were they were barracking 
for Robert Smith, but more more journalists, and especially now, you know, even journalists from from outlets that were um, uh, cheerleaders at the start, they're, they're doing their job now. They are actually reporting the truth. We, it, it's it's accepted now. It's fact. It's a fact. The federal court has found what it has found. It's found that Robert Smith was a war criminal, a bully, and a liar. Uh, that has been uh, absolutely made clear in, in Justice Pasanko's ruling. Uh, but the media's role in this is is really interesting. The, the media was needed to expose Robert Smith and to, to expose these war crimes. Investigative journalism was critical in doing that. But the media also played a, a dark role, I think, in, in covering up war crimes and, and, and going into bat for Robert Smith when, when journalists should have known better. You see a lack of professional scepticism in some parts of the media, do you think? No, I think I, think I see um, something much worse than that. I think I see uh, people who were backing vested interests, powerful interests, who lost lost sight of what it was to be a journalist. And I I think they're those they're not really journalists, they're just PR agents working for outlets. Okay. Um you've done a lot of if I can touch on some of your other work briefly and I know you've uh, time is pressing on us, but you you've done a lot of work of interest in the area of of extremism. Um, can we expect more from you on looking at far-right groups, et cetera, uh, in the next little while? Well, they're not going away, so I think it's really important <laughs> that we yeah, yeah. we, we keep, keep yeah. a focus on, on them and understand how they recruit and how they finance operations and their the use of social media and the way that our agencies are, are keeping an eye on them, governments are responding to this challenge and whether enough's being done to curtail their activities. Yeah. Um, Anything else? Uh, anything else on the BRS stuff that you're working on at the moment? Well, I think the real question is is how this all unfolds. We have investigations by the Office of Special Investigator. So that's a special uh, war crimes anti war crimes agency that has set up to investigate special forces soldiers. It continues to investigate Robert Smith. So does this lead to ultimately a criminal prosecution? That's a critical question. Uh, I think. I think now that the, the public expects soldiers who've done the wrong thing to be held to to account. And I think that the, the broader question around how accountability continues to play out around this whole scandal up the military chain of command in the political class is, is also really important, uh, making sure that, that those who permitted an ugly culture to, to be created are held to account. I've been talking to Nick McKenzie, who's the author of Crossing the Line, which is a book that, uh, puts into perspective and shines a light on the story that he and Chris Masters have been working on related to uh, Ben Robert Smith and the uh, essentially the fact that he's been proven to have committed certain war crimes under uh, under the uh, guise of under the watchful eye of the federal court in a defamation action. Nick, where can people find Crossing the Lines? I had to use the cliche that like all good, all good and bad books, bookstores. I imagine it's out there everywhere. And I really encourage people to 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 have a read and uh, and ultimately it's it's just you know the book's a celebration of the brave soldiers who stood up for what was right and that that's got to be remembered and it's been my privilege to tell their stories. Well, um, I've had a look at the book. Is it a good account? The other thing that the book does, um, I know you're not going to say this, but I will, is uh, is unpack the way a, a story is told and how people yeah you know, how how people actually do journalism properly so Nick thank you for telling it 
Um, and thank those guys who were brave enough to come out and have the conversations with you because that's important. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Thanks for the opportunity to have a chat and have a talk about the book. No worries, Nick. Uh, thanks again. And uh, let's don't be a stranger. We should do this again sometime. Sounds great. Thanks, Tom. No worries.